holidays are just around the corner, and it's time to be thinking about getting those perfect gifts for family, friends, or maybe even for yourself. We have the perfect opportunity for you to take care of that shopping list and support ACB Media at the same time. It's the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Join us on Sunday, November 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Zoom or on ACB Media. You can bid on great, unique items like handmade crafts, collectibles, technology, and food, including those wonderful baked goods and a whole lot more. If you want to get a jump start on things, the Sneak-A-Peak Appetizer Auction is also back this year on November 25th and 26th. Watch your email for more details or contact Leslie Spoon. Her email address is lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. We'll see you Sunday, November the 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Happy bidding! The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, I'm Paul Edwards and welcome to Tuesday Topics. You know, it is actually possible that uh, some of the things we say on this program will reflect the views of um, ACB. I'd like to believe that's the case. But nevertheless, um, welcome everyone. We have our usual crew with us tonight. Um, hand raising this evening, um, there is time for a drum roll now, is uh, Mr. Rick Morin. Hey, Rick. Hey, Paul. I'm sitting here with a bag of potato chips. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. And um, and the assistant hand raiser and and uh, and and. The person who adds beauty to an otherwise uh-huh. stark environment is Miss Marianne. Hey, Marianne. Hi, Paul. Thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. You know, blind people can imagine all kinds of things. Yes, I'm absolutely <laughs> stunning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and, of course, we have our, our streamer, Mr. Larry. How are you, sir? I am well. And is excellent. Very good. So... Tonight we're going to be talking about a, a number of things. Um, audio, audio. Yeah. What about blind? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm you not, have to wait for the cue. In the first place, in the first place, I didn't know that Brian was back. Um, and in the second place, um, I'm going to introduce him now to go on. Brian Charleston, my co-host, is here, though he was not for a few moments. So, hello, Brian. Hello, Paul. So nice to hear your voice this evening. I know. I am providing technical support for one of our guests this mm-hmm. evening. So nice. I will be muting myself for a short time trying to resolve that issue. We missed him last week. Hello, everybody. Hello. Yeah. So I'm disappointed he didn't say I was beautiful, too. Bye. Oh, well. <laughs> We'd really have to imagine. Blind people would really have to imagine that. Yeah. Now wait well, a minute. This show. This show's about audio description, right? So, but, but someone's got to describe beauty. Well, someone's got someone's got to describe Brian, and that will take care of all. <laughs> so of it. he looks a lot like Roy Orbison. For people that do know what Roy Orbison looks like. Okay. Well, see, that's fair enough. I <clears> and that, of that, bro. And that voice that. That my, that voice who you who you just heard is the co-chair of our audio description committee, uh, 
uh, Mr. Carl Richardson. Good evening, Carl. Hello. Nice. So we're going to be talking, at least to begin with, about the uh, audio description gala, which is coming up. And this is not this is not the first time for this horse race, right, Mr. Richardson? No, this is our second annual audio description award gala. Mm -hmm. And uh, it'll be on Tuesday, the 29th of November. And it'll be available to view on Paramount Global is one of our co-sponsors this year, and they are going to host it on Pluto Television, along with we'll have it on our YouTube, the American Council of Blind YouTube channel and on um, ACB Media. Do you know which media channel or do, or do you, Rick? Yeah, it's going to be a Media 1 and Media 6. Nice. Thank you. On both. And it's and also going to be a community call. It's also going to be running on Zoom. And uh, immediately and, after it will be a uh, kind of an open forum discussion. And on Thursday night, I will be participating on a community call with Jonathan Sweet, Vice President of um, Accessibility and Technology for Pluto Television, who will explain to people what Pluto TV is, how to access it, and where to watch, how to... Um, use the accessibility built in to be able to access it. And then Clark will talk about all the other ways we can access Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy mm -hmm. and Governmental Affairs, can talk about where else to watch it, ACB Media 1 and 6, YouTube television, and things like that. That's exciting. And I'm, and, and I'm glad to hear that um, Pluto TV is accessible. It's the first I've, well, first I've known that. They're working on it. I don't yeah. know that it's fully accessible. Jonathan Tweet, for those who may not remember, was um, involved with Charter Communication in his previous mm -hmm. um, career where he helped launch Spectrum Access, which is an app huh? that some of us may or may not use for audio description. And he was actually bought into Pluto TV because under the CVAA, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, unlike the blind community, the deaf community has a provision there that says that captions must follow the show if it goes from broadcast to online. And Pluto was not meeting that requirement, so he was brought in to fix the captioning issue, but he has made it very clear by hiring some blind um developers and, and, and other people that he intends to make Pluto more accessible with a roadmap in the future. And I say the future because I don't know when. I've also provided an audio description. Mm -hmm. Isn't he blind himself, uh, Carl? No, I don't believe Jonathan is. No, I thought he was. So as, uh, as I understand it, though, Pluto TV is one of the, the many versions of um, of television that has a combination of of live channels and other stuff is that right carl yeah so pluto is mentioned and i and then we can talk about the gala i don't want to right but pluto is is owned by paramount so most of the channels are like there's a 24-hour mission impossible channel which was the paramount show right in the 60s there's even a 24-hour Star Trek Next Generation channel. There's a um, you know channel that has to do with kids from Nick. They have like 200 channels 
but it's all their stuff aired with it's live, aired with commercial, and it's free. But there also is um, if you go into their search thing, you can also download some of their stuff free. But again, or not download, stream it live. But again, it's with commercial because it's free. They need to have a way to generate revenue, and that's how they do it. Um, you know, and it it's quite a trip to listen to like mm -hmm. Mission Impossible twenty four hours a day. <laughs> that's pretty scary. Yeah, that is pretty scary. So the other chair of or or the the other co chair of our audio description committee has just materialized. So welcome, Miss Kim. I think. I she's here. She's probably trying to unmute. She is here. She did, she did arrive. But anyway. Um, okay. And, all right. So we're going to uh, we're we're going to now begin to talk about the gala. And Carl, just while Kim gets herself underway, tell me a little bit about uh, what prompted the gala last year and how this year is different. So we wanted a way to do two things for the gala. Um, one was to increase, well, three things I'm going to say. One was to increase public awareness of what audio description is to the community at large and people who, mm -hmm. work, in the, who work in the business of media so that hopefully it becomes more prevalent and just increase it to the general public. Two, to recognize those who are doing outstanding work in the field of audio description to say, this, these folks are doing it right, and this is how you should do it, right? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And three, it, it's also a fundraiser for the audio description project in the American Council of the Blind. And this year so far, we have raised $107,500. Um, from corporate sponsors such as Paramount, Disney. There's a few anonymous ones that didn't want to be recognized. Amazon came in as a silver sponsor at 10,000. Uh, the National Association, a number of, I, I don't have the list in front of me, but you will see them when we watch the gala. They will all be recognized. A number of sponsors came in. And then individuals will also have, I believe, if you go to... And I'm hoping Kim's on here because she's better at this information than I am. Awardgala.org, I, I, I think, or the ACB website. You can click on the link, and there'll be a link there for you to donate individually. Um, because we're in, the yep. we're in the process of hiring a full-time ADP coordinator, as many of you have probably seen, because the demand for advocacy has grown more and we feel like we're mature enough to do it. So the gala was to recognize those who have done excellent work, create public awareness, and to act as a fundraiser. That's excellent. So so how is this year different from last year? Well, first of all, we're recognizing different people um, or different organizations, and we have different categories. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention who the winners are yet, so we'll have to wait till Kim gets on. But we are again. Kim is on. Okay, I, and I'm going to yeah, let I, Kim. I, I don't. I don't think we. Good should thing tell I got in there to the keep Carl is. from spilling the beans. You know? I, I That's said, right. I, I said I, I don't think I'm able to. So Kim, why don't you take over? Oh well, just throw it at me, really. Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, so the question was, how yes, is thank you. <laughs> how is uh, how is this year's gala different from last year's? Well, oh, the people choice the what? I didn't even think that. Uh, that yeah, is exactly that's a big deal. That is a big difference. So, so after last year's gala, we thought about how can we make the gala um, more engaging of consumers of audio description, and how can we create something that would give it that element of of excitement i think more of an element because there's a lot of really cool things that are happening but um so the the audio description uh, people's choice award was exactly that a way to um you know get get more engagement so this year there were 10 programs that were um nominated um for the category of um to be considered finalists um for the audio description people's choice award um we had the vote for the winner between i think it was september 26th and october 10th so we had um nearly 2000 people vote which is fabulous we think that's mm -hmm. really great and um for the 10 different nominees so um, more people than voted in acb's election <laughs> well, <laughs> yes that might be more. <laughs> <laughs> yes so <laughs> so and anyway the 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 issue though is um that the folks from acb actually did the nominating or for for year one um that's the the uh, members of the awards committee put forward the finalists but right. we've already talked about um backing up the calendar more for 2023 and having a um audio description users phase of nominating their mm -hmm. favorite or best loved um program with the audio description and then those will be screened and um and we will take those nominations that come from users of audio description for next year's audio description people's choice award we haven't worked out all the details with respect to that but i can absolutely assure you that there will be a nomination right. process that will allow consumers of audio description to nominate their favorite and so that's pretty exciting and, and we're even exploring the possibility of maybe having and i don't know again we're working out the criteria but maybe we have three categories best voice talent best best mixing and best writing you know something like that so so oh paul did you vote Do i you did not oh i did not my I, goodness i you i did, I did not i i i know i would have voted for but i did and not I did, vote I didn't vote, even though it killed me. <laughs> you didn't yeah, well, vote. No, you didn't vote because I, I thought, thought you said you didn't vote once. No, you what? voted more than. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't vote once, but the other way, I didn't want to vote because I felt like as a uh, nominating. I don't know. I just didn't want to. Um, it doesn't mean I didn't encourage several others to vote for a certain candidate. There you I go. Didn't. Yeah. But but to clarify a little bit, these these awards are really intended to recognize 
audio description rather than simply the product themselves, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and some, of, some of them do that better than others. There's no question about that. I'm not going to mm -hmm. tell you which, but, but for example, I can rattle off a few of the titles in case you, your listeners don't recall. Um, we had, you know, Celebrity Family Feud from ABC and the description right. was provided by Audi, by um, Vi Vitac. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we recognize, you know, the network or the production company and the company that does the description for these mm -hmm. Ted Lasso, um, Apple TV yep. plus and um, Pixelogic media does that one. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Disney plus audio description by deluxe USA. Mm -hmm. uh, Alma's Way was an interesting choice. It was English and Spanish. It's PBS Kids, Fred Rogers mm -hmm. Productions, English audio description by Bridge Multimedia, Spanish audio description by Decapta. So that's a unique one. Yes. Ma Matrix Resurrection. That's an HBO Max movie. Yeah, from, yeah. Directed by my old buddy. Your old college buddy? Yeah, Lana. Well, her name is now Lana. His name was Andy when I knew him, but her name's now Lana. Uh -huh. And she did, I went to college with Lana. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 So, yep. so some other, so, um, we have go Prey. Ahead, Kim. Yep. Prey yep. Um, is a movie. That's a Hulu original. Mm -hmm. um, and that was um, Descriptive Video Works, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That's an NBC series, and the audio description is done by 3Play Media, which is a newer company in the field. They acquired Caption Max, which is a name that most Interesting. listeners yep. will recognize. Um, Grace and Frankie, that's a Netflix original, and that mm -hmm. um, is SDI Media that does the description. Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, that's Paramount+. Plus. The audio descriptions from WGBH Media Access Group. So those are just, you know, kind of a rundown of the People's Choice Award. And we will find out who the winner is toward the end of the gala on November 29th. It's, um, yeah. And they all will be profiled with a little snippet of their nomination. You know, the so you get to hear a little example of the description of each of them throughout the entire gala, just like they do in the Oscars. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of um in terms of the the People's Choice Award, when when you're only recognizing kind of this year's productions, are you in danger of not recognizing kind of major and important pieces of audio description that have been done in the past? You know, that's a tough question because I guess you have to start somewhere, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, possibly, I mean, uh, some of the um, nominees do re represent a body of work. I mean, Frank Grace and Frankie has been a Netflix series for quite a long time. Sure, and 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 special victims units. And special yeah. victims unit sure. has as well. So they've been around for a while. There's a lot of um a lot of their work to choose from. Certainly, some of them are newer um, releases this year, like um, right. Matrix Resurrections was you know a relatively mm -hmm. new movie. So 
you know, and 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 certainly when you pick ten, you're you're likely to overlook something that might have, should have, could have been there. Um, and and I think you just you have to realize that when you have a kind of this type of an award that really comes from viewers of you know the products themselves. But it it's fun. People I, liked it. It was, and it is a you know the the companies, the ten companies that we're recognizing as finalists are thrilled the pieces to be on that list. Well, and it's interesting, Paul. So maybe because me, I'm a huge classic movie buff. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to think about that one, won't we? Um, uh, this, this is an evolving. We've only done two and we're going to. So I think this thing is going to grow in terms of award criteria. And yeah, no, and, and, yeah. And we're not, not only recognizing people's choice, by the way, we're going to recognize right. their career achievement and other awards. Right. The yeah. actual awards themselves from the gala, you know, there's a lot of categories there and they, they tend those awards that what we call the berries again, named after um, Dr. Barry Cronin, who was um, interviewed last year on Tuesday topics at quite some length about his career with respect to audio description and he was we have grammys we have emmys and acb has berries so that's what we call them b-a-r-r-y the berries um and yes. all of our awards are you know different categories um we have a game changer award i think we're giving three of those um and in in the variety of categories so um one for innovation um one in the area of education and so those are those are pretty prestigious awards mm -hmm. uh, and inclusion is another category so the, and I then we have one for his or her life distinguished service career. yeah yeah yes, right. definitely um just like barry cronin received it last year we have another person that will be recognized for career achievement in the area of audio description so have you have you guys um, uh, already kind of planned out the the way the whole show is going going to go? Pretty much scripted it. Yes, it's pretty much in the can. Yes. Now. it's yes. in mm -hmm. the can, as they say in the film mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's it's all done. All the segments have have been recorded and edited together. We have a producer of this event. His name's Doug Rowland from Los Angeles. And, and Doug Rowland was an Academy Award nominated as the director of a short film um, called, I can't remember what it's called right now, for his, his portrayal of a deaf blind actor. He found a Helen Keller National Center working in the kitchen. And he did this audition, and the guy won. And it's called Feeling Through. And of two years ago, when he was up for an Academy Award nomination, he brought the deafblind actor with him, and they actually had interpreters, tactile interpreters, signing the whole ceremony to the deafblind individual, not to distract from the gala, but as a member of the deafblind community. I just think that it's cool. So Doug Rowland is very committed to making sure his, his stuff that he produces and directs is fully accessible to the blind, the deaf, and the deaf-blind community. Yeah. So the production will have 
audio description, of course. It's also going to be fully captioned as well. Open captioned. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Open captioned. Yes. So that's going to so, be excellent. And is it going to be available afterwards in a in an audio described version somewhere? Yes. Um, so the the night of the event, November 29th at 7:30 p.m. There's a, a variety of ways that you can access the program that evening. One is going straight to the website adawardsgala.org, and there'll be a um, you know view the view the gala button there. Um, ACB's YouTube page will carry the event live. Um, pre-recorded but live and um, ACB Media One will carry the event and six and, and six too that's correct um, and Carl why don't you talk about the um, the the mainstream way you can access it so from we, industry we, already, we already did that before you joined and I'm happy to do that again ah, Pluto okay. TV yes but and in respect to Paul's question, the YouTube link will remain available for at least one year, because right now we only have a one-year license to show the content from a couple of the studios. But I think we'll we'll try to negotiate. For, but uh, the YouTube link will be available for at least one year for viewing on the ACB YouTube page. Oh, that's excellent. Yes, and the audio will certainly be you know, podcast as well and made available through ACB media as, as podcasts are often done. So, so that will happen as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know if I'm getting into to uncomfortable territory. Did you guys <laughs> go with, go with Pluto TV because, um, because it would just, it was just good to kind of spread the wealth out or, um, or were the folks who did it last year just not jumping up and down to do it again this year? Um, I think more the the earlier, it was good to spread the wealth. Right. Yep. And, and to be honest, um, the folks from Paramount Global were anxious to do this because of what I mentioned earlier, them having some trouble with with the on the deaf and hard of hearing side, so they're trying right. to promote this as a more accessible... So, um, and it's also Jim and I and others on the, uh, Eric and Clark and Jolyn and all the folks thought it would be a good opportunity to learn more about Pluto and see how to access it. Mm-hmm. Carl, did you talk about your show when um, Thursday evening? I seven. did at seven o'clock. Yeah. Oh, oh, but when I missed it, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, with, yeah. With Jonathan, Jonathan Sweet, Sweet, Vice yeah. President of Acceptability and Technology, along with Clark Rockfall and myself, and we'll be talking about what Pluto TV is, how to access it, what type of channels you can watch on it. Um, Jonathan Sweet's also going to be accompanied by one of his colleagues. Um, I even talked about, Kim, how you can watch Mission Impossible for 24 hours a day. Um, um, so, But there's about 200 channels. They have an all-Western channel. They have an all-Fi movie channel. They have a... It, it's actually an incredible time waster. Um, <laughs> you and know, and I have it built into my free, smart right? television. 
it's, it's free. It's free. So it's and you don't have to have a subscription like you right. might have had with other services. So. No, it's ad bait, right? So you're going to have yeah, a lot of yeah. TV commercials. And and in my case, I have it built into my smart television. So all I have to do is, is go to the channel guide, and all the channels are already built into my talking guide. So um, that's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah. So it, it I. I have a total of four into 400 internet channels. Because not only do I have Pluto TV, they built in some other stuff. There's an all court trial channel. It, it, you could just <laughs> sit there and do nothing all day. Yeah, they really do. But we're mostly excited about being able to watch the event. Um, and I think, and we'll find, we'll get more application on Thursday. I think you'll be able to watch it for up to a month on Pluto TV. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Jonathan will certainly tell us. I, I I think the hope is to get it available on Pluto TV till the end of the calendar year. So we should have that date firmed up by um, Carl's show on Thursday. That should be excellent. The Carl's show. That's an interesting Carl's show. Yes. Name we might die. No, I called it. I called it the. Second, uh, what did I call it? Ways to watch the second audio annual audio description award gala, audio description, and more, something like that. Right, and it will. Oh, appear that's, that's a on short the, title. Yeah, yeah, very short. Like I would write. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it'll be on Thursday's schedule for the community, so everybody can tune in. And I think it's at seven. Is that right, Carl? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. and is that that on Media Five, Rick? Yes, it will be, Paul. Yep. <laughs> See, there's hope be, for me. Yeah, and it's <laughs> going to be and it's going to be very sweet too. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I'm it, Sorry. It is. And Jonathan Sweet um, would I also mentioned has a long history of accessibility. He was previously with Charter Communications and Spectrum. So he's a good friend of the American Council of the Blind, and and knows a lot about what we do, which is which is also exciting because yeah. I think I think sometimes a lot of the companies who are doing stuff don't know um, what we're doing. Now I I gather from talking with others, you two, that that the response from last year's gala I can't say gala. Um, <laughs> The response this from seems last to be a very cat. interesting question yeah. about how do you pronounce it, it. I was on another interview show, and the host of that show asked me the exact same question. And there were three of us, and um, the host and I pronounce it the same way. I say gala. Mm -hmm. um, the other person said gala. And then we said, where did you grow up? And the two of us grew up on the West Coast, and he grew up on the East Coast. So is yeah. it? A West Coast, East Coast thing? Brian, it, it how do you say it? Could be. What how do you say it, Brian? I've always said Gala. Yeah. Rick? Yeah, I've always said Gala too. No, me too. Know. Larry. Yeah. yeah. How about Larry? He's got good West Coast credentials. Yeah. Larry? Gala? Gala? Um, I I say gala. You say uh -huh. no, I say I say gala, you say gala. <laughs> So let's call the whole thing off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I say gala. I say gala, but I don't need apples either. Or, 
Or yeah, open a yeah. bottle of wine. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> yeah. was, uh, wait a minute. Open a, I, I missed that one. Never mind. I was, think, I was thinking of Gallo. Gallo. Yeah. But that's not Gala. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, will, we will serve no wine before it's time. That's yeah. awesome. Well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Marianne? Gala. Oh, uh -huh. no. oh, well, my theory went I, out the window with this crowd. Well, how, how, does the <laughs> how does the librarian think the correct dictionary pronunciation? I think either is absolutely correct. Well, Kim, has your idea of how it is pronounced changed since you moved from Oregon to East Coast? I, I still say gala. Okay. That's how I pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what one of the things that I'm excited about the whole concept of the gala, uh, being with audio description, gala. is it's supposed <laughs> to be a game changer, a way to change the game. Carl, you started by talking about public awareness of the existence of audio description, uh, and certainly that's just an important part. But I think most important in this is engaging the industry beyond just the few that know something about it within their respective companies. Yeah, um, I will tell you that without going into Pacific, the, the company that won the People's Choice Award was so ecstatic <laughs> over the moon over this. Yeah. And um they, well, all the finalists were i mean the, every, all 10 of them were and, but yeah but but um and some of the other are potent and some of the other awardees are potential influencers on how audio description is created and provided so let's let's see what happens you know I can, uh, I, right well i remember you told a story about going down to some party unrelated to audio oh, description this was about and mentioned six, years to ago. Your, right. yeah. yeah to your friends who were you know in the movie industry this about this thing called audio description and they had no clue that the product they worked on so was audio a, described a number of years ago i went a friend of mine who i just saw in san francisco last week because he's an animator for um george lucas and we went that's why we went to the walt disney museum he invited me to a party, and at his party were people who worked for George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, Warner Brothers, it, you know, and I was probably the only person in the room that didn't work in the business, but I went to school with them, so he invited me. And I would, of course, what do we do when you get together? You talk about TV shows and films you love. And they were blown away that I was able to keep up with them in conversation. And then one person actually said, well, Carl, I'm confused. You're, you're visually impaired. How are you watching stuff? And I said, interesting. And I would act, this guy was an editor of a, of a major network show. And I said, interesting you asked me, because your show is audio described. And he said, what do you mean my show is audio described? I don't know anything about it. And at the time, his show was on Netflix. So I literally opened up Netflix on the phone, and I showed it to him. And he was blown away. And then the next thing, you know, I have a whole crowd of people watching me watch a movie because they had never known that blind people could act that television and film and media through the use of audio description. So that's because what happens is when a product is done and edited, it gets sent to a post-production facility. And 
like Deluxe at the post-production facility, mm-hmm. or it gets sent out to a company that specifically does audio description, and they do it after the fact, or after it's already all wrapped up with the credits and everything. So at that point, the producers and the production companies have moved on, and it's laid on a separate track. So what we're hoping is this will change it so that companies know and maybe can even get more involved in the process of audio description. Well, Paul, your your thought about um, how has the gala impacted audio description in some way from last year to this year? Mm-hmm. And I, I have another example of that. Last year, we recognized in at the gala um, Procter & Gamble for being a game changer in the area of audio description of commercials. So I think blind people have to be the only people that get excited when there's an audio description (laughs) commercial. (laughs) So we actually pay attention to them. Um, And, you know, Procter and Gamble has a corporate commitment and all of their commercials are, are audio described. You've probably seen the bounty commercial where, the guy just won the lottery and then he spills his coffee and the, and, and it's all audio described. So yep. um, they're all of their commercials are, are described. So we gave them an award last year. Now I would challenge any of you watching audio described television, not to have noticed that there are a whole lot more corporate companies out there with commercials that have audio description that weren't doing it a year ago. Volkswagen, Volkswagen for one, um, yeah. Starbucks, um, Microsoft, Indeed. Um, yeah, there's just all kinds of them now that are described, and that wasn't the case a year ago. So I think the, you know, the word is filtering out in the industry. Why not spend, you know, a few thousand more dollars audio describe this commercial and make it accessible to everybody, especially with. The, the new trend in television commercials where a lot of them play songs from the 70s or the 60s and never say a word Correct. about what the product is because they want you to look at the screen. They want you to see what it is and you'll look up. So you know, why not put the audio description in there and catch another market? It seems and, to be catching on. And you know what else is fascinating, Kim? I listen to a lot of MSNBC on my app, TuneIn Radio Over the Phone. And whenever they come to a commercial, they must play the SAP feed, the second audio program feed, because I hear the audio described versions of the commercial. Mm-hmm. And so um, on my iPhone. So it, that's an example. And we're hoping some of the other awardees that we recognize, you know, we're going to be doing an international one again and a, the three game changers in the Valley. And people see what led them to winning these awards. And that they will want to also perceive this. And I really think the the People Choice Award may change things quite a bit next year because we'll be getting the community more involved and the company trying to vie for that award. You know, um, because you saw that to an extent this year. Mm -hmm. Very much. You know, one of the things that really stands out to me in all of this is uh, broadening those who know about it. And if they get excited about it, um, they can bring other people into it that you and I would, would never otherwise have contact with. Well, it may be some big star who, uh, when they do future contracts, asks the question of the 
entity that's <clears throat> trying to woo them into playing a part. By the way, you know that I, you know, I'm really. And we do the whole idea of audio description a must do. And we do without we're not going to mention any names, but we have a couple of well known celebrities who be, will be saying a few words during the audio description gala, and you will not want to miss that. Absolutely. Now, who were they last year? Who were the big Jason Momoa from Jason Aquaman? Momoa. Yeah, he was the biggie. Um, um, I'm trying to remember. There was somebody else from another show that did it with Satana. How were we? I oh, can't remember. Uh, Charlie Cox? Yeah, from Daredevil. Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. But we have a couple of, um, I would dare even say, bigger names. Yes, I would okay. say so too. And, and later, early, either later this week or early next week, the celebrity list will be out. So there is going to be another ACB community event um, on the 22nd of November that I'm hosting. Carl is hosting Thursday night. I'm hosting the 22nd. And we'll have a few folks from the planning committee. And I think we'll be able to um, talk about some of the celebrities that are going to be part of the gala. So you can and, to that event. And uh, we have you guys are just messing with Tuesday topics is what you're doing. <laughs> well, what, <laughs> I think it's at six o'clock next week, though. I okay. tried to make it early enough not to conflict. So thank you. But, <laughs> but, the, but the next week you are. So we may not do Tuesday topics well, that's, on the 29th. I I think that would be such a kind thing for you to take I, a break. From. I think so too. <laughs> and we are returning with. I think it's okay to say who the host and the audio describer yes. is. Yes, I think Thomas so. Thomas Reed, who is a blind user of audio description and has a good podcast called Read My Mind Radio, and Reed is called spelled R E I D, is also going to be returning as a host. That's awesome. And we also have a blind audio describer, meaning voice talent. Um, so I got to be careful using the word audio describer because it can mean a number of things. We have a blind voice talent who will be reading the audio description written by our very own Joe Snyder from Audio Description Associates. Um, so, uh, and that's being done probably right now. And so um, that that should be, and this year, thanks to the sponsorship of NBC Universal, the hosting remarks were actually filmed at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, the headquarters of NBC. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So there's, in one year, uh, we upped our game in terms of the celebrities. We've upped our games in terms of community involvement in the awards, and we've upped updated probably the technical preparation all in just one year from year one to year two and as you've heard from kim there's already plans to up our game again when year three rolls around carl you you talked about what the reasons for the gala are uh earlier but i don't think kim was on at that time can you reiterate what the purpose of the gala is yeah, I believe I said there were four reasons, and I'll try to remember them. One, we want to recognize those who have done excellent work in the field of audio description. Two, we want to increase public awareness to the community at large. Um, 
not just within the blind community, but the community at large, what audio description is, how it works, and what it is. Three, you mentioned this, Brian, a few minutes ago. We want other people who work in the field to be aware of audio description and get excited about doing it themselves. And four, to act as a fundraiser that the poor ACB and its advocacy of more but quality audio description. And to date, we have already raised $107,500, 107500 And we would also um, ask that if anybody feels like they can contribute, we would appreciate it. Um, and we have already had many corporate sponsors from Paramount, Disney, um, I, have the, I have the list, Carl. I, okay. think should, I think we should share the all of the sponsors because, as you said, um, it, it, the one of the purposes is to raise funds to support ACB's audio description advocacy work. So, and we are in the process of hiring a. This is very exciting. We're going to hire for the first time ever in a ten plus year history a full time audio description project coordinator. So that that that's going to be exciting. So let Go me ahead. talk about the the sponsors, and then we can talk a little bit more about the job because that is exciting, actually. So, um, so there's different levels. There's um, Silver Star sponsors and Bronze Star sponsors. So under our Silver Star sponsors at ten thousand dollars, we have Amazon, Disney, Paramount Global, Microsoft. Warner Brothers Discovery. And at the bronze level at $5,000, we have um, Charter Spectrum, Keywords Studios. That's a new player in the in the field for us. Fox. They, they, they own descriptive video work. And nice. National Association of Broadcasters. And we also have um, a couple anonymous donors as well. Yeah, so, we have about $45,000 in anonymous donors. So <clears throat> that is the, the goal amazing. to raise money yeah. in this re respect is to help underwrite the cost of the audio description project activities, um, including staffing costs, so that new member or that new staff person uh, needs to get paid. So it's important that it be that. As and well. the production of the event itself. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm excited yeah. about yeah. this in a way that, you know, well, I'm not excited that the whole world is going virtual. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, but this is actually very, an event that does a very, very good job of being a virtual event. I think it almost does better. Than if you right. had a gala in person at a hotel with a meal, and most of your money would go to what's on people's plates. You know, it's right. just this is this is a way to have a great production and try to keep most of the money for the purpose that people are giving the money. And I like that a lot. I do too. Tim and, and I are on the same page. Absolutely. And last year, um, individual donors contributed $5,000 toward the gala um, bottom line, which was terrific. So again, I just want to say that it's pretty easy to make a donation. Um, you just go to adawardsgala.org 
forward slash donate and you can make a donation. It's a real simple, easy form. And all the donations are very much appreciated. If if all of the individual donors could raise 5,000 last year, I'm sure hoping we can do that again this year. We're hoping for an increase, actually. Well, I, As a member, your, I, yeah, I, I think that raising funds is an important aspect of this event. So we mostly talk about it uh, as kind of, if you will, a spectacle. The fact of the matter is that any gala, any awards, banquet, whatever, is also um, gives you an opportunity to raise funds for that cause, whatever that cause might be. And here you know that any donation you make is going to one thing and one thing only, to underwrite the cost of what ACB does in the area of audio description and its availability and questions of quality. And that's something I wanted to make sure we got into this conversation is one of the biggest differences from when we first got involved as ACB in audio description, we first simply needed that there to be some. Uh, and so we worked hard on you know, the CDAA, uh, to require some of that on network and the like. But look how far we've grown. Uh, it's now not a matter of uh, when will the next audio described thing be available to me. It's which of the literally thousands of audio described things available to me am I going to choose to access. So we, we're well on our way to dealing with the quantity question. And now we're also involved in making sure that the industry understands we're also talking about equality. Well, and and Kim Which, mentioned, Kim mentioned, I'm sorry, Brian, I'm sorry. I think no, go ahead. Jim. That's right. Go for it. So Kim mentioned a few minutes ago, one of the things that happened since the gala was the increase of commercial. Another thing that's happened is one of the networks under the, that's required to produce audio description under the 21st Century Video Accessibility Act is now doing virtually 100% of their prime time programming. And I have to believe that's partly due to the public awareness. Yep, I think that's excellent. I, I absolutely, yeah, I so, absolutely believe that. So, Kim, have, have we given any thought to looking at the other end of things, I, I know there are some entities that give like Rotten Tomato Awards for movies. Um, have we given any thought to Rotten Tomato Awards for audio description? <laughs> well, not really. Um, <laughs> there's some, there's oh, some, I got a whole list. Yeah, yeah, there probably are. There's some pretty horrible stuff out there that we have equal access to, which is a yeah. good thing and a bad thing. But um, oh, Paul, you and I should start a podcast. Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are there are some bad audio description elements, but but I, I think it's better, and and so I concur with what you guys are doing. It's better to highlight the good rather than to focus on the crud. Yeah. And and so yeah, we, I, we do some focusing on the crud, but we don't do it. It's like dirty laundry. You just don't do it in public. Yeah. <laughs> Kim and I watch a particular series of shows on Wednesday night uh, mm -hmm. based in uh, Chicago, uh, the Windy City. <laughs> <A large> and, uh, <laughs> in Western City. <laughs> yeah, there we go. 
So <laughs> we, we watched that on Wednesday evenings, and we'd always watch the first one that deals with a fire, I believe. Medical. And the second one that deals with medical. Yeah, you had them backwards, but that's okay. Oh, got them backwards, okay. And then <laughs> we'd go to police. Mm-hmm. And we chose not to watch it because of the quality of the audio description. So a lot of people, and I would say this was about two years ago, the describer was very monotone. He was. Very, very flat. Yep. um, And people just said, oh, I can't stand it. It just drags me out of the show. It's so distracting. And the, the ADP actually contacted um, the company producing the description at that time and said, you know, you need to give this person some coaching. It is not pleasant. It is distracting. Um, and last year, the quality was better. Um, there had there was some improvement. I definitely noted improvement. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was terrific, but it was improved. And I also- tolerated, you know, so and then just a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, and, and I'll say this because it's, it was really a positive thing from three play media. They acquired caption max, which was the original describer of the Chicago series. And now it's three play media. You'll hear that if you listened, you know, when they're giving the credit or at the beginning and yeah. three play media is a Boston based company. And a couple weeks ago, <laughs> there was a describer that was monotone again, and it was a different describer. I don't think it was the same one. So, so I wrote a note to to them, um, the director of audio description, because I've been communicating with them about the People's Choice because they were one of the finalists. And I just said, you know, I think this describer could really benefit from some training and mentoring. Um, you know, I don't think it's your intent to to make the program, you know such a distraction from the describer you want the describer to blend in and they wrote me back right away and they were so happy to hear from someone they said you were so nice about how you said he was doing a poor job and gave us concrete suggestions and we've already implemented them and in fact um, last week when i watched the show it was the same voice but he was better was he great not quite yet but he was significantly better. So that was and, really fast turnaround to impact some change. And I was pretty and, excited about that. And didn't originally, and I haven't watched any of them, but I remember seeing all the comments on the list of, wasn't there also poor audio ducking? Because like one of the shows, I'm assuming the fire one, had a melodic explosion. So either yes. the sound effect would overwhelm the AD or vice versa. Yeah. And the the, the monotone describer was also muffled which also, okay. it was really muffled. It was poor quality. And I did mention that in my comments. And they they were really interested in the technical side. They wanted to know exactly how it was muffled. And, you know, was it because I said, you know, it lacked brightness. And I, I don't know all the right words necessarily, but, you know, I kind of know that the opposite of muffled is, is bright and clear and things like that. So I tried to use as the words I could use because I'm not an audio engineer. Clarity. So. Yeah, exactly. It, it it wasn't clear at all. So, so, so that was a good exercise because they they're improving. They're working with them, and it was great for me to see that 
a comment like that that's constructive can really have an impact. So, so I want to ask a question that kind of ties into something else that you're working on, Kim. I, I think one of, the, one of the results of doing audio description galas is, is that we end up creating a, a space where we can think about what makes for good audio description what makes for effective audio description, um, what is the kind of audio description that people will nominate as a people's choice uh, piece of audio description. Um, and, and it seems to me that that, that can only help in, in creating a sense for those who produce it. And by the way, it's interesting uh, when audio description first started, there was really only on, only one company, and then we got to two or three, and and now um, not a. I, I don't think any of the ten are produced by the same audio description production companies. Yeah, there's, which there's is a amazing. Lot of people in the industry now. Yep. the yep. the ADP website has a page, a resource page of you know, producers of audio description, and that includes freelance companies, mm -hmm. big companies, small companies. There's over 90 companies listed on that webpage of, of small and large businesses in the audio description business. Mm -hmm. So it is big business now. It, it's access and, you know, there's a lot of demand for it, especially on the pre-recorded freelance side. There's a lot of mm -hmm. demand for describers to write the description. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for people to get into the field. We've talked a lot about blind people in the field. There are some who are writing description. They have strategies and techniques they use to write accurate description. They're working as editors, sound engineers, quality control specialists, script and voice viewers, talent. and voice talent. Absolutely. Yeah, I so, mean, I can I can see all of those except a writer. I I, I guess I find writing sort of counterintuitive i i don't know what your view is kim well kim and I, I have different views. carl carl is a little more on your side of the equation i guess yeah. and mm -hmm. not not fully but partly um and i have i have been communicating a lot with um blind audio description writers over the last several months and have had an opportunity to look at some of their work and to learn about the the techniques they use to get the information they need. That's that's the point that I wanted to understand was how do you get the information that's visual on the screen that you need to write description for? And and they've all told me they use, you know, they have questions they ask. They they listen to it, they take notes. If there's something they don't understand, then they focus in and they ask someone in their lives who has had experience. And sometimes I know I do this. I ask several someones if I want to right. know something and I want to be absolutely sure that what I'm told is what it is, you know, it's verified by somebody else. So I may ask a couple people. And a lot of the blind writers do that. They have several people they they ask questions of to to and my, you know what and, they're writing. And my point of view is they're more I do think they're involved in the writing process. And I do think 
They can help shape things in a way that blind people understand that a sighted writer may not be able to um, understand. But I see them more as editors, collaborators, or co-writers than I do as getting the sole writing credit. It's a, it's uh, definitely an emerging area. You know, there yeah, there aren't too, too many people, but those who are venturing into it are doing quality work. So they're, you know, I Brian, do it, but yes, Brian, I'm sorry. I didn't right. mean to no, no, no problem. I think that it's important that our listening audience here tonight understands that um, there's work that's quite a ways into it. It's a couple of years, at least maybe three on trying to work out a certification for audio description for the people who work in that field. And you've held a forum to listen to people in the community and in the field to speak about their feelings on that specific subject. Uh, among other things, they weren't told that was the only thing they could talk about, but well, it certainly was the lead item to talk about. And I love it when I can sit down and listen to something and it has the potential to change my mind. Uh, and it quite honestly did change my mind a bit. I'm more toward Kim's end of the spectrum than I am Carl's. But before that, I was 100% at Carl's end of the spectrum. And I think Carl's end of the spectrum has shifted a bit more centrist than it had, it was has prior shifted. to that. It has shifted. I'm more in the middle. I, I was on the extreme no, and now I'm like, well, I think they can be part of a team. And and so yeah, I've, exactly. And I've even moved uh, a couple of years ago. I would have told you that voice talent couldn't be blind. I 100 now percent believe that voice talent can be blind because the pandemic changed how voice talent read um, the word for audio description. It used to be before the pandemic, you would watch a video with time code and you would read it, look at the script and look at the time code on the script and squeeze it in. But when the pandemic happened, they weren't bringing voice talent into the studio. So they developed ways for people to do it at home and they were often doing it, even sighted voice talent were doing it without video. So I was like, hmm, if they haven't sighted professionals doing it without video, why can't they have blind professionals do it without video? Then there's no there's no barriers anymore. So I've changed my mind completely on blind voice talent, where two years ago I wouldn't. And I've changed my mind on editing as well. Um, as long as there's audible ways for them to think it with the video, I don't have a problem with editors as well. So I've come up a long way. I'm still in the middle on the writing. And a quick example I'll give you why is a couple of weeks ago, I went up in a hot air balloon with my wife, Megan, and she was telling me everything she was seeing, the roadway, the foliage, the riverway, the, the hot, you know, the farmland. And I was overwhelmed with the amount of information she was giving me. So I told her what worked for me in terms of what to say. And she changed it and said it differently so that I can enjoy the experience more. But she was still using the word that she was coming up with. She was still doing the description. I simply coached her or 
that, you know, spoke to her for a few minutes saying, this is the way I want to hear it. So I was certainly involved in the live audio description, but my wife was still choosing what words to use and how to describe it. For any of you that are interested in the open forum that was held by the um, ACVREP's um, subject matter expert committee that's working on a certification for audio description, um, we have been working on that for about two and a half years. It's a really extensive, huge project that I'm coordinating with um, the Academy for um, Certification of Visual Vision Rehabilitation Education Professionals. That's what ACVREP stands for. Um, so we recorded the open forum and we have had a transcript that's all been finalized. I just got those files today. So I would guess that by next week, we will have those posted on the audio description project website and people can listen to the comments of several of the blind writers of description who talked about what they do and how they do it. And it was yeah, quite it was, it was seven against one. And Carl was one of the speakers as well. So and I was the one. <laughs> so how how soon do we expect that at least preliminary standards are likely to come out, Kim? We still have quite a bit of work to do, but um, I would say maybe within the next, I'll have to say probably a year and a half to two years. There's mm -hmm. a huge, we haven't even started to write the examination yet. We're still finalizing the eligibility criteria, the, the body of knowledge, the scope of work, and the competencies and, and abilities. So there's a lot of work that's gone into this and identifying every single skill set that you need. And, and then also being able, next phase, to write questions that test on everything and write questions that are equitable for everybody that don't rely on something visual, but are word-based um, examination that gives people choice choices and has that accessibility component just embedded right in the examination. And the other tricky thing is, um, there's a difference of, of, of medium. Right. Like you're Live description yeah. versus yeah. pre-recorded description, like we watch for television and movies. There's museum exhibitions. There's live events. There's outdoor attractions like parades, um, festivals. There are is gaming. Audio description and gaming is really emerging a lot, especially for the big gaming events. But there are actually games that are coming out with description embedded in it. So there's a lot to audio description, uh, you know, online content, education content. Um, and we have to cover all of that in, in the test that we're working on in the criteria. Yeah, I am, I am glad I'm not on that committee. <laughs> Kim's doing all the work. I am, I am it taken up every Monday afternoon of her life for the last several years. Pretty close. Pretty close. I know because her office is, I'm pointing that direction about six <laughs> feet. So, so. Uh, I wanted to ask Rick, uh, do we have anybody who's been lingering with hands raised? And if not, I'd like to encourage people who have questions 
on the subject of the gala, etc., to do that hand raising so we can entertain some comments by you and some questions. Yeah, Brian, we don't have any hands up, up at the moment, but like Brian said, please raise your hand and we'll recognize you. And, and I think it would be correct, um, Kim and Carl, that you guys are prepared to talk about kind of audio description stuff in general as well as the gala. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Good. And there's other opportunities to talk more about the gala. Um, we're, we'll be doing um, a guest spot on Sunday edition at one o'clock on Sunday this coming week. Um, I mentioned November 22nd at 6 p.m. And the um, Thursday night. And, and the 17th, of course, yes. And yep. the 25th on visibilities. So, um, so there's a lot of opportunities to learn more about the gala. Um, as more of the the facts and the special announcements are um, out there, we'll be talking about those in more details as well. And we can also, if you want, talk a little bit about those who are interested in applying for the ADP coordinator position, where to find that job posting. Go ahead, Carl. So I, well, I'm assuming it's on the ACB website. Um, uh, I think and, it is. <laughs> no, no, it is under jobs. I think it's under job. And we're looking for a full-time ADP coordinator to work with. Well, they would report directly to the director of advocacy, which is Clark Rockfall, and also work heavily with the contractors that ACB hired, which would be the web developer, Fred Brock, um, Timothy Wynn, who produces all the TV listings, Serena Gilver, who does all the social media, and the two co-chairs of the audio description project, uh, myself and Kim, along with the subcommittee co-chairs for Beatty, which is, we're looking for one now, um, the conference committee, Kim, the media committee, myself, the 508 committee is um, Pat Sheehan, and the awards committee is Jeff Tom. So it 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 require and this person would also help advocate with all the various um, uh, partnerships and help develop partnerships that we have developed over time and work closely with ACB National. So it's an exciting position, and it's a so, remote position as well. Yeah, so yeah, correct. There's, there's not an expectation that you have to live in Minneapolis or Washington D.C. or if you have the skill sets and. Um, familiarity so, with audio description and good clerical computer technology you're an organized person because there's lots of balls to juggle in this position and you have to there is difficult personality such as myself and kim <laughs> that's right well speak for yourself so, so i guess the, the, <laughs> i threw the myself question, in there first kim. <laughs> the, the question that everybody will, will be asking is uh how where does this put joel snyder that's a good question because when we when we brought this position forward about um, two years ago now I think it's been um, everybody said well where's Joel going well Joel is still with ACB working on um, the audio description project in a variety of capacities his title changed to founder and senior consultant and he's doing a little less of the day-to-day -day kind of thing and he's doing more of the more specialized areas of expertise. One of those being a project that we're getting close to finishing. Um, we, we had funding 
from Microsoft last year to develop an online course to teach the fundamentals of audio description. Um, there's no university training programs. There's there's nothing out there that's what we call assessment based, which is um, you know an academic kind of you could get a degree in audio description. They have such things in Europe, but there's nothing in the United States that would be a degree in audio description. So um, there there's workshops and seminars and and training. Yeah, Most the of the Audio Description Institute that ACB has, um, that Joel is the instructor for, um, trains a lot of people. It's a 25-hour seminar, but it's, you know, when you're done, you get a certificate that says you went to a seminar. You don't have a degree or a diploma or anything like that because it's not that type of a program. So we're developing an online course that where there will be a grade and exercises and mentoring and practicum kind of experience to help people grow in those skills because you where do you go you know there's not a lot of choices there's some great people in the field who are doing different kinds of trainings and um and that helps to take care of you know developing and continuing education but um, a lot of industry has developed its own training process. They've, they have internal guidelines, they have their own style manuals, best practices, and then they teach and mentor um, within the companies. So, you know, that's where the majority of the work is going to be in the future is for the, the big media companies that have whole departments and divisions that are doing the accessibility. And so, Joel is, yeah, Joel is ahead, working with that. And okay. Joel is also doing on the project, which I'm very excited about, where he's working with a, I forget which one, but he's working with the university to do a digital archive on the history of audio description because he's got 40 years of material that he has personally collected, and he's going to digitize that so that everybody, and that'll cover articles, books, video clips, um, you name it, Joe's got quite an extensive uh, collection that he is going to donate to a, a university it's, to it's digitize. Mont- Montclair State University. Thank you. New Jersey. Yep. So that's Joel, is, Joel is yep. still very active and as a consultant and also serves on many of the subcommittees. He's just not doing the day-to-day administration mm-hmm. Um, that the ADP coordinator will be doing along with some of the management. Very good. Mr. Rick, any hands yet? Not yet, Paul. Nope. So, so one every, of the things... Go ahead. Um, so Rob. everybody's in love with audio description where it is and has no issues, huh? Yep, it's <laughs> apparently the case. <laughs> not my case, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> so... Let let me ask you guys about um, some of the some of the questions that we sort of had up in the air last year. We had relatively recently, at that point, um, welcomed um, some new companies who were beginning to provide audio description, and there were some expectations uh, about HBO Max in particular and the amount of audio description that they would be likely to make available. 
Um, do you guys think they're living up to the agreement that they put together? I I do believe they are. That it was a three year agreement. We're just uh, we're a few months shy of year three, where the commitment was that they would pr- provide and make available in year three over six thousand hours of audio described content. Mm-hmm. It was three thousand for this year, mm-hmm. and. Um, it certainly looks to me, although I haven't seen the official report for this year as of yet, but it looks to me like they're they're definitely on target and probably have exceeded that target. So that's going really well. We um, we're in the process of closing the um, the monitoring phase of the Hulu um, settlement mm-hmm. that we were under. Um, Hulu has definitely also stepped up their um, quantity of audio description and what they're making available and you know committed to do their original content so not to the same extent not not at all to the to the same degree yeah and and we will be continuing discussion with other entities to continue to improve Hulu, even though the structured negotiations are going to be ending. So that is something we will be continue to advocate and build a relationship with. And and with- mentioned earlier, some of these difficulties uh, in dealing with corporate America. Um, HBO Max has not only undergone name changes over the course of these past three years, but who's calling the shots? Oh, yeah. Because of corporate acquisitions of one kind or another. And they, the same thing can be said for Hulu. Yeah, no. Yeah. HBO, HBO has had three owners in three, three years. Three owners in three years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It, it was a little challenging, but the second and the third um, corporations that have owned HBO Max have have been absolutely great to work with exactly. really behind the concept of accessibility, audio description, inclusion, and have really built it into the whole organization across the board, not just, oh, that's the accessibility department. We don't have to worry about that. They're all talking about it and really doing a great job, I think. And and those of us who have been working from an advocacy point of view in gaining uh, not only more quantity of content, but also in improving accessibility to that content, i.e. you really want the uh, Android and iPhone apps to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want the smart TV to be able to access that content uh, in an independent kind of way. We still struggle with DVDs that have an audio description track because there's a lack of consistency on how to access that. Um, so you you frequently borrow one, but you have no way to get it started independently. We want to make sure that in the world of audio description and streaming services, that turning on and off accessibility is something one can do independently and reliably. One of the features I really want to see uh, become ubiquitous is this ability to filter based on whether it has AD, at least as important. Not only does it have AD, but is it in the area I'm interested in? If I want 
to watch uh, murder mysteries, and the sighted public can filter listings on that particular service for murder mysteries. I want to be able to say audio described murder mysteries. Right. And so I have the Mac, same level of accessibility. HBO Go Mac ahead. does allow you to do that. They actually have a tab called audio description and within it, nine categories. The other thing, Brian, and I'll let you finish. I noticed I was on Netflix for the first time the other day and I was going from title to title and it actually had in the tag description, this is audio described, which was kind of cool. Exactly. You know, we, we want to have the same experience um, in terms of not just accessibility, but usability of these services and the apps. You know, their lives have gotten also quite complicated. You know, <laughs> uh, Apple Plus needs to work on Apple devices, but it also needs to work on Android devices, uh, my Fire Stick, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important that we keep on top of this as technology changes, as ownership changes, yep. and as, quite honestly, all video content consumption. You know, what's the future of cable television? What's the future of streaming services? What's the, uh, where are the two going to cross where you go from things associated with um, view on demand versus view on schedule? Uh, things like uh, what services do that these days? Uh, the services like, uh, what are they called? Sling that? TV. Sling TV, thank you. Carl, yes, Sling TV would be an example of that. And also these services that are going from strictly a cost to subscribe to a tiered approach toward purchasing things where uh, a less expensive one includes commercials. Well, Disney and Netflix are both coming out within the next couple of months. And I have a theory why... Well, there's audio description and cable, broadcast, DVDs, as Brian has mentioned. The area we're seeing the explosion of audio description is dreaming. And I have a theory on why. Because unlike with television, DVDs, and cable, it's harder for them to track who turns on the audio description and who's watching it. Where with streaming, they know to the very second how many people are watching and how many minutes people are watching of the track with audio description. So they're able to prove that it is cost, that it is a, has a cost benefit to them, or else they wouldn't be doing it because they're the one area that's not legally required, like broadcasting cable is. Exactly. But we yep. also know that um, some of the programs that people are putting out, if you're in the subscription you get to see the day it's released but for the rest of humanity they only get access to it the day after or yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or those after. kinds of <laughs> ways to package right. the, the content you know we watch um special victims unit and it's audio described when it's played the first time on one channel but it's not audio described when it's played on uh, another channel that might do a SBU six-hour block of rebroadcasting. Right. One right. is required by law because it's one of the top five 
networks. While the other is not one of the top five, but it's still showing the same show that was described before. So we have a number of things we have to improve on in the system of not only requirements, you know, broader broader access to things. We have to deal with the changing nature of the technology behind all of this. There's been a lot of discussion on uh, the ADP chat list about direct TV lately and its accessibility uh, to the blind public. And while me living here outside of Boston, you know, I have to keep companies coming in hijacking uh, my box on the side of the house and switching me from one service to another. They all want me because they've already got the cable laid. There's a lot of the United States that cable isn't laid. And so mm -hmm. satellite-based streaming is the only way those people can get access at anything close to a reasonable price. So you go through all these kinds of things. We are moving in this space in so many different ways. Quantity, quality, certification, multiple platforms, the whole nature of how video is owned and uh, traded by those who own that content. Carl is forever teaching me that, oh, well, that particular thing could be done uh, on a network TV, but not show up as audio described on a DVD and might be audio described by entirely a different company when it's shown in one country versus another. Um, and it's not just a matter of, well, if it's audio described there, why isn't it audio described everywhere? Because there are different edits of what you think of as, oh, I don't know, what would it be? Something like uh, Matt to beat the other is yeah. is a hundred and twenty minutes in England, but here at the hundred. Exactly. So hey guys, guys, that, that's a, pretty significant. We've got someone. We got Ed here who's been uh, yeah. waiting to. Okay, hey, please, Ed, come say on, a over, Ed. Um, I have a question. One thing that would be helpful uh, to have it in the when y'all redo the twenty first century, have the audio description follow the movie like closed captioning does and also documentaries wgbh uh when they did the holocaust it was not described and uh, ken burns in the past had all his descriptions american experience is no longer described as it was in the 80s and um i would just like to see more of uh documentaries described and why had why wasn't PBS? I know they were doing it when the twenty first century on a volunteer, but they, as soon as they were not required, they quit doing documentation regarding like the American experience. Ken Burns doesn't have his documentation documentaries described like uh, the Holocaust one did not have it described. They have it in German or another language. They had it. But they did not have, uh, they had uh, secondary audio, but no audio description. So, how are you? So, two questions. One, how are you watching the document? Are you watching it over broadcast or through I watch it through cable, uh, okay. Comcast. And, Got it. and um, 
when you go to Comcast also with the um, Freedom Me, they don't uh, carry the audio description track. It doesn't follow from the movie to um, when it goes to the television by cable. Now, right. I, and that needs to be changed. Anyway, oh. are y'all working to get more documentation and PBS to back to start describing? I mean, they were such a leader in the 80s when they did oh, American yeah. You definitely make a really good point because PBS was, as you said, um, exempt from CVAA because they were an industry leader at, the, at that time when, when the CVAA was negotiated. Um, and and I am pretty disappointed in in PBS for for where they have come today. They're not describing as much content, and we're trying to put pressure on them to get them to do that. Um, they they claim that it's a you know a bit of a dollars and cents issue. They're not getting the appropriations that they used to get. But I think that you know we have to start with the budgets because if you budget for something. Audio description is not that big a portion of a production's total right. budget. Well, how and it's actually mandated, mandated and, like they were. Well, exactly. I think in the in the next version of CVAA 2.0, and stay tuned. Within the next two weeks, you're going to be hearing a major announcement about that, um, which I'm pretty excited about, but can't speak to it right now. But soon, <laughs> you'll be happy. Okay. Um, I think so. Um, I think we'll we'll see some changes in the next year, and I hope we see some for PBS sooner. We're trying to work on that, and, and one could argue progress. And one could argue that they're federally funded; that they should be part right. of the new CVAA. The other thing is regarding the file following, like the, it does in the deaf and hard of hearing community. I think that will be in the draft of. Uh, whatever might be announced in the next few weeks okay great yeah you know one of the things that that really matters in this it's a lot easier getting a ball starting to roll than it is to keep it rolling it is it is really hard to keep up people's engagement and enthusiasm senator markey got started with the cva when he was congressman markey and rumor has it that he's not going to be running for re-election to the Senate. So we need to be pulling together some new, you know, big-time supporters in Congress to support, as Kim said, the funding when it's something that ought to be funded, ought to be required uh, for entities that are partially federal, federally funded. Um, and it's sad when somebody, some entity like WGBH here in Boston uh, starts the ball rolling, gets some really good traction going, right. and then we get competitive and get, how many companies did you say do a, does audio description come? 90? Yeah, yeah. Now, now they're not, com they have competition and they have their bottom line issues associated with things they they wouldn't even consider doing some of this stuff without significant financial support in in doing so 
I don't doubt their commitment. I just but, doubt their priorities at this point. Well, their commitment has changed because the leadership has changed. And, and the leadership used to make it a mandate where the current leadership, I'm not going to get into it. But the other thing that's interesting is audio description is now, because there are so many competitors, it's actually cheaper to produce than it was 20 years ago, if you can believe that. That's right. So, because um, I remember what it cost to use to produce the show, and I know what it costs now. It's cheaper by several thousand dollars. It's not cheaper by a little bit. It's cheaper significantly. And and so I don't entirely buy the cost issue. I see it more as a commitment issue, to be honest with you. I guess um, I, I am continue to be pretty bothered by um, the attitude that 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 PBS is taking to all of this. You know, they're they are a, a public television entity that has responsibilities to the whole population. They're funded primarily with federal dollars, um, and it and it seems to me um, that that ACB and 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 perhaps the audio description project as well ought to be far more assertive with with them in terms of some of the things that I think they should do. I'm not as bothered as other people are about the the loss and the amount of audio description that they're doing. I'm more bothered about the fact that it's impossible for us to get appropriate information that will tell us what is actually being audio described and where people can find it. And, and I just think that's pathetic. And I think we need to fix it. We, and I agree with you, we should probably recommit or rededicate ourselves. But I, Kim can um, back me up. We've tried to reach out to several people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and there are a lot of us who have, I mean, uh, you know, uh, certainly at the local level, one, one of the benefits, for example, that's offered when when you become a contributor to PBS is access to what they call Passport. And yeah. Passport, with some of the stations, actually has audio-described programming that is available on it. And that's excellent, and it's wonderful, um, except that... Um, so far, in, in two locations, in Miami and in Jacksonville, I have been absolutely unable to get anyone to respond to me um, about how to, access, um, how to access Passport in spite of the fact that, that I donate money to them. <laughs> so, Do we have any uh, other hands up, Rick? No, we don't, Brian. Thanks. I'm good. Where so, are you, people? <laughs> yeah, so legislatively, Kim, I, I, I know you can't say exactly what the CVAA is, is going to be looking like, but, but we do think that it is time once more to, to open that can of worms rather than leaving it where it is. Yes, we absolutely do. Um, ACB for the last year or so, has been working with a solid group of partners um, from the deaf and hard of hearing community, um, the library community, and the blind and low vision community to work on a draft of legislation. And Senator Markey has been pivotal in that development as well. So um, I think that, you know, this is our chance. We've, we've had 
um, CVAA in place for you know approximately 10 years where we've had the the mandate it was signed into law in 2010 and you know just think about where this field was in 2010 versus where it is today um it's a whole different world we didn't have streaming services in 2010 um so you know we had cable and we had broadcast and so i think that you know this the group that's been working on draft legislation has has basically said we audio description needs to jumpstart itself and it needs it needs a way to do that that will allow it to be equivalent to captioning and we know that captioning right now is nearly 100% required so just lean back and think about where that would put us with the in the world of audio description if we were equivalent to captioning i think that's that's what we're shooting for that's the goal we're going to start with um i believe in shooting for the moon the stars and the sun and then you compromise right. to something that that will work because you don't always get a chance to do it so you've got to take advantage of the chance that we have coming up before us and and really work to make it a reality so i think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people to get involved um, in the next congress and um, some really important work can happen to really set the stage for the future for audio description i have a dumb question here's my dumb question there just as there's no requirement i think to do audio description for streaming services there's no requirement uh, to do captioning either. Is is that correct? No, that's not necessarily correct. It oh, came about through a different channel, though. It it was um, litigation, correct, Carl? Well, yes and no. So uh, let me give a couple of so sure. if it ever been the two things that that led to that. One, if it's ever been on broadcast with captions, when the captions go to online services, it must follow. That's Not in that. the original CVAA. So that's why, for instance, Pluto is now doing it, because they're simply rehashing all their broadcast properties that they own, right? And they were already on broadcast, so therefore the captions have to follow. So that's number one. Number two, there was a lawsuit oh, probably eight years ago by the deaf and hard of hearing community against Netflix. And Netflix tried to make the argument that they do, not, because they're not a brick and mortar business, that the ADA did not apply to them. And the judge said, I don't know if I agree with that. And before he came down with the decision, Netflix just said, fine, we will do 100% of the captioning ourselves. So there is at least a on record a judge saying that streaming services do fall under the ADA. He didn't necessarily say they have to caption it because Netflix, before they got slammed, said we will do it. Um, and, and I think that led to what we were, we never sued Netflix. We went into structured negotiations, and they were right. happy to do it because they saw the benefit of the membership using advantage of the caption, and then they figured out that the same would be for audio description. So we're, we audio description is actually following the same path 
quote, caption is in many areas. And I think we're just 20 years behind because caption has been around for 20 years more. And it's also easier to produce. Closed captions easier to produce technology-wise, cost-wise. Um, it's easier to send the files around. There's a lot of technological advantages that captioning has that that audio description does not have because of the writing and the producing and the editing. But so it is. But having said that, we want 100% audio description. We want the file to travel no matter where it goes. Um, we, we want to do many of the same thing that, that the, I mean, we want a ca uh, audio description contact at all the television stations, just, which is mandated by law for captioning, but not audio description. We want, um, uh, an easy way to turn it on and off with a button. You know, we want, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are going All to be. From Okay, good. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in the CVAA. We have, I mean, you you couldn't. We none of us envisioned how much audio description we could get on our cell phones, right? While we were walking our dog, uh, things have changed <laughs> dramatically. Well, that's what I do in the morning when I'm walking the yep. dog. I'll, you know, um, it it it. So did. Kim's right. Kim made an interesting comment. We want the same thing that others have in terms of the ubiquity, meaning the amount of uh, captioning and how it follows from the, from plate to plate. So, is it is it realistic? Do you think, Kim, to 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 uh, to take? As hard line of position as that, I, I guess I'm asking primarily <laughs> because um, because the, the the certainly the deaf perceive that 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 they have rights and there are costs that are related to those rights, not high costs, but they're certainly there. Um, but but you guys have gotten good cooperation from the deaf community, and you think they're on board in terms of what you're asking for? Oh, absolutely! Our coalition <laughs> is solid. Um, mm -hmm. We've got some really, you know, leaders of the National Association of the Deaf, and nice, um, you know, the uh, the other organizations that are, are in that community, as well as academic leading um, attorneys um, that do a lot of advocacy and copyright work for the deaf community are on board as well. So, um, I I think it's it's a pretty solid. Um, proposal, you know, is industry going to be happy about it? I don't know exactly how they're going to respond, but I think that it's going to be very different than it was in, in 2008, 2009, when all the negotiating was going on for CVAA, because I think we're in a different place now. And I don't think industry exactly wants to be seen as speaking out in opposition to equity. Um, and so I think they're going to think really carefully about how they support or don't support what we're going to be moving forward with in the next Congress. Some of us thought that with the original CVAA, we would by okay. now be in a situation where the DVD players that were being sold would be universally accessible. Do, do you have any good thoughts as to why that hasn't happened? So, some are. 
Uh, I have a talking DVD player, mm-hmm. and I have a button on my remote that I simply hit to act that I just put in the DVD, it starts playing, and I just hit a button till I hear the audio description track, and it goes. So yep. um, some are. Are they as accessible? And are all the models as accessible as others? No. And I have, there There are a couple of reasons. One, DVDs are dying. It, 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 it getting so that collecting DVDs are for cinephiles and, and film buffs. And, and, you know, you can know, you know, I mean, there, every time I walk into a Best Buy, the DVD selection is smaller and smaller. Uh, they don't even do music DVDs in Best Buy anymore. And I think DVDs are slowly going the same way because we can simply go to iTunes or Amazon and buy the same movie and download it on a hard drive. And the movie companies don't have to create the packaging, the material, yet they can sell the title we buy online for the same price. So they're making, you know, as much of a profit, or depending on how much the cut Amazon and Apple get. But DVDs are slowly dying, and therefore I think it, 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 there aren't as many DVD players. But some are accessible, but not all. I would agree with that. I would Int- dis- yep. disagree a little bit with Carl. Now, this is where my librarian hat comes on because my library purchases DVDs for our audio described DVD collection and we loan them mm-hmm. to our patrons. Mm-hmm. So I will agree that there's fewer titles available. Um, the, the last couple of years, you know, the audio description project tracks how many um, DVDs are made available during the calendar year. And I, right. do, I do agree we're down but I think we're only down by about 20. Um, so this they're still selling. Libraries are still buying DVDs. That's probably the major purchaser of DVDs are all types of libraries because remember, these DVDs are exactly the same whether you're a sighted person or a blind person. So, um, but, you know, I think, I think people who want DVDs still want them. And and it's a very different experience from the online experience, but I concur with Carl that users of DVDs do generally trend toward being older. Well, and I will say that I used to have a pretty sizable DVD collection, and I no longer do, but I do have a massive online collection. And someday my wife is going to get very upset if she ever sees my credit card bill. Um, um, and 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 I pretty much now only buy audio described titles. Um, so I, um, I don't think they're dead. I think they're dying a slow death. You know. Um, um, uh, they said that about vinyl too. So. Yeah, well, yeah, they did. Just, they just did saying, say just saying. I know, I know they did, and I agree with you. But percentage-wise, huh, do you have a? We all had a record player in the seventies that could play vinyl, right? Yeah. How yeah. many of us still do, other than Paul? Um. No. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I, no. I, I still have one, but I don't have very many vinyl albums anymore. Yeah. But that was courtesy of a hurricane. That's right. We yeah, have well, another hand here, guys. Diane. Oh, uh, good. 
Oh, hello, everybody. I'm really enjoying this discussion. It's really good. Um, I, I just love, um, you know, I just love it. It's really good. And I would like to get description on demand. That would be really neat because last night um, Christmas vacation was on National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. And uh, I was watching it, but then you get to the commercials and there's like five minutes of commercials in it. It'd be nice to have that, you know, described on demand too. Any progress in that area? So that when, you, when you say on demand, so I'm assuming you may be a cable subscriber. No, I actually, I have DirecTV Stream um, and, app, and an Apple TV to use it. So that it works really well with the Apple TV. So I have so an what, Apple TV and then DirecTV Stream. So TNT is one of the channels I get. And But when the movies are on demand, I notice they're not described. So, so on demand within DirecTV? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, um, that's the one area we, the audio description project hasn't, like Comcast, Spectrum, all the streaming services haven't, all the ones that air programming live, they also have an on-demand content. And the problem, well, there's a couple of problems. The, and I don't understand why, but they may, let's say, show Christmas Vacation with audio description when you're watching it live. But the on-demand version doesn't have it because, believe it or not, they're separate licenses. Don't ask me why, but mm -hmm. they are. So that, that is something we will have to explore. I agree with you that you should be able to get it regardless of where it is. And that's right. hopefully something that the new TVAA will cover. The audio description track will follow the content wherever it goes. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. And another thing, Kim, this is a little bit off the subject. I won't spend time on it, but the Spoken RX, my my CVS now has it in Target, my CVS in Target, and I'm the first person to use it. It's oh, great. Congratulations. That's true. Yeah. It, thanks. It's really neat, though. It tells you everything it? you need to know. Spoken RX. It's the, he, the, it's a prescription the, the, the system. Prescription. Exactly. Yep. The prescription with talking labels so you can use the app. Oh, that's, that's great. And it's very cool. And I'm tells doing, you how many, I'm doing um, two presentations about it this weekend, one for Kentucky and one for Massachusetts. So, Oh, I'll have to, if yeah. I'll have to try to listen to one of them uh -huh. if I can. I'll, uh, but yeah, Carl, it also gives, it tells you if you're out of refills, you know, so like you have zero refills. So you know all that, you know who prescribed it, tells you everything. It's an app on your phone that you, you, know, you go to and it's it's oh, really that's cool. That's yeah, great. Great. So Thank anyway, you. well, I'll let Very you guys go. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks for your call. No problem. Yep. And I think over the last um <laughs> the last several weeks, Carl, we've been hearing a lot on the audio description discussion list about direct TV and issues that a lot of our um members are experiencing some some problems. And I think we're gonna need to set ourselves a goal to to do oh, a little more work I in the area I, well here's the thing i don't understand and i'm not disagreeing with you and we I'm need just, some helpers that have direct tv as well, well because but our gonna, doesn't have that right but what i was going to say is there's a different and i think there's some confusion among people on the list though there is a big difference between direct tv the satellite service Yes. and direct tv the streaming, streaming service. service absolutely i agree and i what i can't figure out is when people are on the list of 
I can't always figure out which one they're talking about because by law, the satellite service absolutely has to pass through the AD if they're doing the four networks and the five top cable rated services, right? They're not exempt for that. Mm-hmm. The streaming service, however, is not legally, it doesn't mean we shouldn't advocate it. I completely agree. The streaming service, however, is not mandated. And that's where we gotta we gotta look into that. And if we go after DirecTV, then we gotta go streaming. We gotta go after all of them, Fubo, Fling, uh, Pluto, everybody. And that and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but that's something hopefully the new ADB coordinator can help us coordinate. Yeah. I've got a question for the two of you. Um, how many streaming services are there? If, which kind are you talking about? The kind to do the live TV or the kind to do the on-demand like Netflix and stuff? As far as I'm concerned, for my question, both. Combination thereof. Oh, I mean, dozens and dozens. There's, I mean, there's a lot of them. I don't know how many either, but there are. And there's, it seems like there's more and more every day, you know, so exactly. and there's not, they start and you can, up and then they shut down and, you know, if they don't get their subscriber base. Uh, and I have a classic movie buff. I described the one that does nothing but classic movies. I even found a streaming service that does nothing but film noir, the streaming services to do, you know, and then there's all the ones to do local TV and there's the one to do I mean, dozens and dozens. So we'd have to figure out a way to look at them. And of course, everybody wants the one they watch, right? Um, like I will want exactly. the I will want the Criterion Channel because they do all house movies and black and white classic movies, right? And 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 you, Brian, maybe want the Sci Fi Channel. You know, um, I don't know. I'm just so yeah, exactly. And and that's the point I I wanted to have everybody understand it's a lot easier to talk about how many tv networks there are and uh in the legislation saying the top five uh, because that was an we didn't have to invent a way to count what were the top five it was all based on what uh the nielsen rating the nielsen ratings right as to what the top five were we're now talking streaming services that as Kim said, you know, come and go. Basically, and they also like don't share test balloons up there. They also refuse to share their numbers in terms of ratings of their shows and things like that. So you have no idea, no way of knowing. And but, but I think, uh, I think though, and 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 I, I certainly would would like Kim and and Carl's comment on this. I think that blind people need to rethink the way that they choose their TV, unfortunately. Right. You know, it would be, it would be lovely if we could just say, well, here's a network and it offers a, a bunch of stuff that I want. So I'm going to subscribe. Oh, no, there's no audio description. Oh, dear. It seems to me what we have to do instead is to say, What's out there that is audio described and what's the best way that I can find of accessing the largest proportion of that? And if we think about it this way, we'll recognize that there's an awful lot more audio description out there than most of us can watch, period. Agreed. Definitely. And cord cutting. 
quad yeah. cut them Court. is something that has changed dramatically in the last 10 years since the TVAA took place too. It, that's correct. And, and, and that's where I am now. I used to be a direct TV subscriber in Miami. I, I, I have cut the cord here and I, and I have no, no problem finding enough to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, well and and I again, do the same thing. As, yeah. Yeah. And as, as we go through things, you know, uh, on an annual basis, I look at what services I've subscribed to and make a decision. Have I watched this enough this past year to justify that price for another whole year? And when you watch uh, entities out there who create YouTube videos as experts in these areas, their recommendations, uh, you know, it's like deciding what classes to take in college. You know, when do they overlap? When do they not overlap? What happens if you get a, you know, offered a bundle? Today I got an email from uh, Disney Plus about uh, switching to Disney Plus package, which would include Hulu with the uh, advertising and SPN or ESPN, ESPN uh-huh. uh, on there as well. And then you have to look at, you know, if, uh, on sporting things, you always have to look at what is being viewable in your <coughs> physical area. Exactly. There's still blackouts and those kind of things that take yeah. place. There's just so, so Brian, much to know. So much to Brian, know in this stuff. Go ahead. I'm going to give um, Kim and Carl a chance to do one minute each on uh, the gala. I know, Paul. I thought, well, we're going to go on on tuesday topics and we'll probably just talk for an hour how did two hours go by (laughs) so fast i mean it was amazing so thank you for the opportunity to be part of this conversation it was really great um and i want to remind everybody to um put november 29th at 7 30 on your calendars to tune in for the audio description awards gala um, sponsored by the American Council of the Blind. It is going to be well worth the 90 minutes that um, that you will invest in, in watching that production. So be there for sure. Um, looking forward to it. Thanks, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Carl? I just want to e- echo what Kim said. Please watch the audio description on the 29th, either on Pluto TV, ATB Media, or the YouTube channel for uh, the American Council of the Blind. And and it'll also be, I'm sure, made available as a podcast, hopefully. And um, also visit the webpage, Kim, at adawardsgala.org. And, and thank you. Uh, we could not do this without the feedback of the audio description viewing audience. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to the end of another Tuesday Topics. Next week, we're going to be covering an item that, that we think is very important. We're going to invite the American Council of the Blinds Employment Committee to send some representatives to talk with us about what they're doing But also, hopefully, you will share some ideas as to some of the directions that the ACB Employment Committee can take to try to make things better for the supposedly large proportion of blind people out there who aren't working. 
So I'm going to rely on those of you who are listening to join us next week and become active participants in Tuesday Topics as we explore elements that are important to those of us who are blind and visually impaired. Thanks to everybody who produced and thanks to Kim and Carl. Remember, when you're watching audio description, you can be, get fully immersed in all of your audio described products. And good night.